This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. In episode 32, journalist Sarah Schoenhardt described how some college grads are returning to small towns to find work. That show was recorded in a sound studio located in the woods by a stream in rural Rappahannock County, Virginia. The studio is owned by Forrest Marquise, who is finding ways to work as a musician in a county where the biggest town has fewer than 400 people. In today's episode, that conversation continues. Sarah is back, this time as our guest host, and she interviews Forrest about the joys and challenges of piecing together a creative career in a lovely community 60 miles from the city at the edge of Shenandoah National Park. So we're here today with Forrest Marquise. Uh, He is a musician and a video producer and uh, has many other talents. And I'd like to start because this is a show about careers, um, and you have taken somewhat uh, unconventional path to your career and have a very interesting series of jobs that you do. So maybe you can start by telling us a bit about what it is that your that comprises your career. Okay. Well, my multifaceted career um, primarily is as a musician. Um, and that involves a couple of different things in itself. I perform live. I have a recording studio. I record musicians and spoken word poets and podcast uh, podcast interviews. Um, and then I'll do live sound for you know concerts. I do live sound at the theater at Little Washington, and you know whenever someone needs a PA for an event, I'll set up and, you know, I can record remotely. So that sort of involves a lot of different facets of audio production, I guess. Um, The main passion part of that is songwriting and recording my own music, of course, because, you know, it's all about, I don't know, it's an, it's like a, it's an art, I guess, the way I see it. So, you know, I want to make art and make music is the, the big, you know, that's the center part of that and the other stuff sort of spins around it where where it needs to so I can support that. So really for you, the music is at the center and being able to find ways to support that financially is uh, what you do on the side to, to continue with your passion. Exactly. And I, you know, in doing music, I've collected all these tools like speakers and microphones and then, you know, I can, you know, support myself by renting them out to some other purpose and then but I have them so that I can make my music and so you just amass these things and try and find a way to you know I don't want to say make money off of them but you know try to support yourself you know is how I see it because I'm not really you know I'm making enough money that I'm alive and I'm healthy you know but it's not I'm not making a million bucks or you know producing records that sell thousands or millions or anything. 
But you are in multiple different bands or part of different bands, and you continue to produce quite a number of albums. And um, so what have you found um, has been a real key to your being able to pursue this career path? Hmm, the real key, um, you mean like what What allows me to do it? Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's difficult often when people want to pursue a passion because um, it's something that they love, but then it can become a drain as well because oh, careers yeah. can start to become all-consuming. So, you know, how have you found ways to pursue your passions and also make them your career? Yeah, that is a good question. And it is it is definitely, it does become a drain. Right now I play in three or four different bands. And a lot of times it is hard to, you know, sit down with one band or just to simply write a song when you have, you know, three rehearsals in a week for a different show or a different band. So it gets, you know... Every once in a while, like stuff spins out of control to the point where it gets so hectic, and then you have to pare it down and say, "Okay, we're going to rehearse once every month or once every other week, you know, instead of every week or something." And then, you know, but just that it it can become a drain and monotonous, and it's just it's important too for me to have those different bands and different outlets. But it's also, you know, it gets to a point where it can be hard to focus. Now, I know in college you went to the University of Mary Washington mm -hmm. and you study, you did study music. Um, so this was always something that was clearly an interest of yours and something you wanted to make into a career. But when you finished school, you didn't go directly into music. I think we were talking earlier and you said you had to pick up some various jobs in order to uh, support yourself. And I was asking on your Facebook page, uh, you have your job title as being a former frog scraper at Foot Picker. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, what that means and how that got you to where you are today? I can. And I can, um, I'll talk a little bit about um, studying music at school too, because I, and this, so this will be a long winded way to get to that final question. Um, but I've always been interested in music since I was a teenager. Um, and, but when I was in high school, I didn't go to, I didn't take band class or anything or learn to read music. So when I went to Mary Washington, one of the options for a math credit was music theory one, instead of taking calculus. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> so I took that and I really enjoyed it. And then I took, you know, I continued to take the series and ended up getting a double major with that in environmental science. But, um, you know, I had to learn to read music for the first time. And up until then, I just been, I'd improvise, you know, or play by ear. So that was a challenge. And then, you know, getting over that was was tough but once I got to that point and I still had not you know I wasn't I'd never considered like you know being a music teacher or you, you know uh, I just was still going to be a performer mainly and then I'd always been interested in recording so I thought I'd you know do recording or something but there wasn't like a, a job I was looking for specifically um, but after college, I actually the first job I had after college, I 
I did an internship at the Castleton Festival here in Rappahannock County, which was um, Lauren Mazel and Dietlinda Mazel put on this classical music and opera festival. And I think it was the second year that they had done it. So it was a really great opportunity. It was here in the county. I was like, hey, I live here. I'd love to help out. Give me a job this summer. So I think I don't think it was paid or anything, but I did that. And then through that, I met Scott Willis, who was, um, he's a documentarian who lives in Woodville. And he was doing some filming at the Castleton Festival. And I met him and they had me, you know, help him out one day. And we got to talking and we got along. And then like a month after the festival was over, he called me and asked if I wanted to work for him. So I moved to his home in Woodville and I did videography and video editing and, you know, just office things, you know, helped him out. And through that, I worked with him for a year and then I quit that and opened my own studio to pursue music more. And um, But while I was doing that, you know, some of my tasks, I'd house sit for them from time to time. And they have three horses and uh, one of the, you know, you'd feed the horses, but also every day you'd have to clean the horse's hoof. And apparently in the center there's like two indentations on the horse's foot, and apparently it's called a frog. I guess it looks like a frog as it's sitting. I don't know. But you have this little tool, and you clean out the hoof every day so it doesn't um, collect dirt and bacteria and rocks and stuff. And so I was a foot picker, frog scraper. Yeah. Um, now, you're 30, and um, so you're part of the millennial generation. And I think, you know, I was listening to a radio program on the way down here, and they were talking about it being 10 years since the Great Recession and um, some of the changes that have happened to the economy over that time. And really, we are in a different economy than we were a few decades ago, you know, when, when your parents were looking for jobs. And um, I think people often talk about the millennial generation as maybe not being as dedicated to work, that they shift between jobs a lot. People don't want to work hard. We hear that a lot. Um, but there are challenges to finding good long-term work, to finding work with benefits. Um, you know, the Government Accountability Office estimated in 2015 that in its broadest definition, which covers, you know, um, basically people who don't have work arrangements with traditional employers, so they're part-time workers or contract workers, makes up as much as 40% of the economy. So things are different. Um, was that a challenge that you were aware of when you were coming out of school? And how have you adapted to, to the, the challenges facing people your age and finding work? Um, well, I can't say that I was particularly aware of that. Um, and I think part of the reason is that my parents have really never had real, you know, they're self-employed. You know, my dad was a carpenter for a long time. He had one government job when he was young, and he quit it and moved to the country and became a carpenter. Um, and now he builds musical instruments. And my mom has always been a gardener. She had one corporate gardening gig um, for a couple of years, and then... That job actually went away because of the Great Recession. Um, but she's always, you know, she has 
clients and she makes her own schedule basically. And so that probably definitely affected me to, you know, you know, feel like I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do, you know, and I'm, you know, every once in a while in a, you know, I'll go online and look at, you know, job openings or something. I'm like, this is interesting, but you know, that's not really what I want to do. Um, but, um, I think I've sort of avoided your question in a way. But you've pursued what you want to do, yeah. um, despite the sort of uncertainties that come with that. Right. What What's really driven you to do that? Well, I just can't see myself doing anything else. And it would be great to have benefits. Luckily, I have affordable health care, you know, and that's partly because I don't make a lot of money, which makes it affordable. Um, and it would be nice to be able to save for retirement. And I think I can get to that point. I feel since I am 30, I'm young and healthy. So it's kind of, you know, it's definitely something I should be thinking of. And it is an issue. But I'd say I probably am not doing the best job when it comes to that. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm not aware if that's a widespread, you know, if other people are having that same challenge. I mean, I know there certainly are a lot of people in a very similar situation. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit because we are here in Rappahannock County, um, which is an interesting county. It's only about 60 miles outside of Washington, D.C. And so effectively, it's still considered a part of the D.C. region. Um, and yet it's a very small county. There are about 7,000 people that live here. Um, agriculture is still a very big base of the uh, the, eco- the economy. It's at its heart. And it's an anomaly in some senses because unlike rural or low-density places, it's quite expensive to live here. Um, I worked on a story about that this summer, about some of the challenges facing younger people in moving into the county because there aren't a lot of jobs and housing is expensive. Uh, you yet you chose to come back here after school, and I think a lot of younger people from rural areas go away and stay away for a while, or you know stay away and don't come back. What was it that brought you back here? I love the geography of the area. I love that we're next to the park. I love being in the woods. The open space is what brought me back here, probably. And I mean, initially, I had I had not really planned to come back. I was thinking I'd be in a band or something, but but I came back and it was probably that job and then just, I don't know, getting closer and closer to the, the land here. Hmm. Was a job or the opportunities that presented themselves or didn't present themselves here, was that a consideration? Well, I definitely know I'd have a lot more opportunities to play with a lot more musicians not to say anything, uh, you know, there's hundreds of talented musicians in this county, but just, you know, the pool is smaller here just because there's not as many people. But, you know, if I lived in a city like Baltimore or, you know, New York City or something, you know, there's thousands of musicians and, you know, there's going to be more opportunities to play or to be in a band or to do music-related stuff. But that's not to say there weren't opportunities out here to play. I mean... Was lucky to be lucky to still be in this band, Gold Top County Ramblers, and we, you know, we get gigs all over the place, which is 
really nice and a lot of gigs in the county. You've also been a big proponent of supporting local music and musicians and local talent. Um, I know that you received a grant um, several years back to produce some videos for some of the local musicians in this area. Why has that been an important part of the work that you do here? I guess maybe it's a, a karma thing. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's, you know, with those videos, I was helping them, but also helping myself by learning this craft, uh, learning videography and doing sound engineering. So when you help others, it helps you too, kind of. I don't know. I don't want that to sound selfish, but, um, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that exactly, but. But to speak to that, you know, that I was able to get that grant, there are other opportunities here, you know, aside from, you know, it seems a lot of my friends work in hospitality or have worked in hospitality. And I had one hospitality gig where I was a dishwasher and that lasted like two days. Um, and then I moved on from that. But as if you're an artist, there's, you know, organizations within this county, like the Rappahannock Association for Arts in the Community. Um, and they, you know, offer grants to established and aspiring um, artists within any field, really. So sometimes that can help, you know, if you don't have a, a nine-to-five career or, you know, you're working on the weekends playing music and then you can have this project you want to work on, but, you know, you don't have the funds to get it off the ground. Yeah, maybe you can talk a little bit more about your own um, pathway in, in that sense. Some people call it the gig economy. Mm -hmm. um, locally, I think people have coined the term the Rappahannock hustle. Yeah. <laughs> it's this idea that, you know, you, when there isn't steady nine to five regular, you know, work with benefits, people pick up odd jobs in order to make a living. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about your experience doing that okay. here. Some of my odd jobs. Okay, well, when I first moved back, I lived, I moved, ended up moving in with Scott Willis, and he charged me $200 for rent. Um, so that made it easy to just work um, for him for a while. And then after I moved to the studio, I, you know, odd gig number one was house-sitting, so... You know, my parents let me live here for free. Um, I pay rent for the studio to pay the electricity and, you know, help out with that stuff. But when I lived here, I'd, you know, I'd move out for two weeks and house sit for someone and, you know, make a little bit of money doing that. Just And house sitting is just like you're doing someone's chores while they're gone. So it's not, it's kind of interesting. You see how other people live. You know, my mom is a gardener, so I'd help her with gardening and landscaping. So, you know. I'll dig up trees and mulch. Mulching is probably one of my favorite um, manual labor gigs. This is good to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's it's very monotonous and you just, you know, you fill a wheelbarrow with mulch and then you bring it over to where she needs it and then you dump it and then you walk back. So you get into a rhythm. I don't know. It's Sometimes it's a drag though. But that's my favorite. Um, you know, I don't like weeding. That's part of the job with landscaping. I don't like weeding, but mulching, you just, you know, just throw mulch in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> well, it gets you close to the land, I guess. Yeah. Which is something you care about. Yeah. Um, I've started doing more and more carpentry, um, but 
I feel like there's some other interesting gigs that I'm not thinking of. Aside from the music stuff, and that's like, you know, that changes all the time because part of it is to book shows out of town so we can play to new people in new places. And those are like, I'll try and get a show in Charlottesville, and they're like, oh, yeah, you can come down here and we'll pay you 60 bucks. Um, The whole band gets 60 bucks, by the way. (laughs) And we're like, okay, I guess we'll do that and see if we can get a little more next time. Thank you. Um, You know, so stuff like that that, you know, pays for gas. But but eventually it, you know, works out, too. You do get a better gig if you keep playing out. But now you have the studio, Mm -hmm. which seems like a real base for you to do the bulk of your work. Yeah. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. How would you describe your career? Earlier you said that you don't feel like you have a career, but I think that, you know, it's a question everybody wants to ask when they first meet someone is, well, who are you? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I tell people I'm a musician and I'm a recording engineer. I have a recording studio. I also, I just bought a sawmill uh, because my father is a luthier. He builds acoustic guitars and mandolins and banjos. And I play those instruments and I you know I've invented and instruments of my own like a uh, I call it an octatone it's a it's kind of like a hurdy-gurdy but it's a droning string instrument um, but I bought this sawmill with hopes to cut um, tone woods for instruments with you know native Virginia trees um, so I have plans to build a sassafras guitar um, but also it, you know, opens the possibility for me to, you know, make furniture and, you know, there's a lot of possibilities with the sawmill and part of it is poor planning and stuff, but it's like, I'm young, I should buy a sawmill because, you know, life is short. <laughs> and self-taught. Yeah. How important do you think it is to continue to, to learn and to expand your career and find different pathways perhaps? Well, I think it. I mean, for me, it's very important. Just it keeps things interesting. Um, But at the same time, and I've run against this before, like with with doing the video editing stuff, and the reason I stopped doing videography was because I felt like I had too many things on my plate. And when your focus gets split into four different activities, they kind of all suffer, you know? So now I've bought this sawmill, and I'm now, my brain has to split in half for like, sawmill and music or something and so it makes it it makes it tough to you know to put time towards each one which is which is hard and that's part of the piecemeal gig thing and I think to me that's the sad part about it that you know you know you have to make money 
I mean, you don't have to, but you kind of have to do these different things to support one or the other and to support yourself. But at the same time, if you if you could only focus on one, you know, and explore all the realms like within music and, you know, you could still end up making enough to support yourself. But but then you have this other interest and it gets put to the side. I don't know. It's a, it's a catch-22. That's interesting. So I think we often focus on the challenges of having a to piecemeal work together. Um, as you said, it sort of draws your, or it can serve as a distraction. Um, but what are some of the positives that you see to it? Well, the positives are that I feel like I can do anything I want to. You know, I could, you know, I feel like I could get an office job if I wanted to, you know, if I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm qualified because I don't even know how to use MS Word very well. But, um, <laughs> but, um, I just feel open to the possibilities without, you know, with this with this career. Um, I mean, I think that's a valuable point. I think that more and more people are looking to follow their passions rather than perhaps fit into a nine-to-five job that might not feel so satisfying. Um, and I think more people are also looking to move to places like Rappahannock or places that are smaller, that the attraction of the big city grind and the struggle to make a living is um, perhaps less attractive um, than it used to be because of all of the other challenges that come with that. There were a number of people I met this summer who had taken a similar path and come back to Rappahannock as you did, um, and people who didn't live here but decided to make this their home. Are you seeing that in your peers and do you, you know, do you talk with them about what they're doing here and do you see ways forward for this county because people like you are choosing to make their their lives here? I think if anything my following this career in this particular place can serve as an example for others to do something similar but you I, I don't know if you you have you kind of have to be aware of that when you move to a small place that there aren't, you know, you're either going to be self-employed or work in hospitality, it seems. Because, you know, as far as jobs like there would be available in a city or something, there's few and far between. Um, and <clears throat> the ones that, you know, are available are, you know, being a server at a restaurant or a bartender or something, which... You know, some people like doing that, but it's not something I, I've ever been drawn to. But it, you know, it's possible to do it. The lack of affordable housing is a big issue here, and you know, I got lucky and found a place that's, you know, the rent is affordable. It's not, you know, an amazing, you know, home or anything, but it's nice. And for me, I feel like there's a lot less distraction out here if I want to pursue art or music, you know, which is one of the great things about it. But, you know, then you can start end up living in a bubble. So it's important to stay connected at the same time to the outside world. But, but you know, when you when I want to go to work, I can come down to the studio and there's no phone, there's no internet, you know, and there's, you know, a couple cars driving by. But that for me, it works for me, maybe because I have that personality type um but for others it i don't think it 
it doesn't always work. And, you know, for young families that move here, I'm, you know, I haven't asked them why they did it. You're also involved with just different organizations here. I know conservation's something that's important to you. You minored in environmental science in school. Um, what does being part of organizations here or being part of the community um, do to help inform your job here? Um, well, as far as um, currently I'm the president of RAPFLOW, which is Rappahannock Friends and Lovers of Our Watersheds, um, which is founded by Beverly Hunter. Um, like with that organization, part of our goal is to, you know, educate young children about the health of the watersheds and the ecosystem and the environment here and to give, you know, learning opportunities for young people so that they can become interested at a young age and how the place that we live is like it is and how we can work together to keep it the way it is, you know, and not to keep it in the past or anything like that, but just to preserve the natural beauty and wonder that exists here, you know, because that that is a big thing that keeps me here to be able to walk into the woods and see animals and see plants and, you know, see the world as it is, you know. And you've managed to blend that with your passions as well. I know that some of the videos you created for these local musicians show showcase them in this setting. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's so, beautiful i don't know why you wouldn't show it off i mean i did one video here in the studio it's like i'm never doing that again it's like it's got to be outside and it's got to be just this backdrop around us is you don't even need music to just appreciate it um so working with those organizations it's it's just to you know promote this good thing and to preserve it what inspires you to create the music you do? I was reading a little brief description on um, Madonna's in a Field, which is your newest band, is that right? Mm -hmm. um, and you sing about everything from turkey dinners to trucks to floral patterns. Um, you know, what, what is it that drives your inspiration to create the music you do? Good question. I don't know. I think it, it just comes, it comes from anything, really. And um, it, you know... Like the smallest thing, like for me in the creative process of writing songs, it's like it just takes one image like, you know, a, I don't know, a glass of water or something. I don't know. And then you, when you put context around it, you can gather feeling from that and then that can charge an emotion in someone, you know, a response. So it just, I don't know, it's all about putting context around it and giving it a story that we can relate to and it's really hard to do that, and I don't claim to have any uh, skill in doing it. But that's, you know, that's kind of what I think about when I try to do it. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll you know, it's an improvisatory process, too. So I'll say something, and then you try and, you know, expand on that or give it meaning and give it context. You also infuse a lot of humor into your songwriting, and um, it seems like it's a big part of your, your just your personal life. Why does humor matter? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm expecting some 
funny response at yeah, first, well, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's uh, humor, I guess. Gosh, you have me thinking at the same time that I'm trying to talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, it it's very important. Um, I'm... I consider myself a very positive person and, you know, it's, you know, it's a way to keep things positive and lighthearted. And, you know, that's not to say that, um, negativity or, you know, you know, uh, sadness doesn't have, you know, any validity because, I mean, it makes, for me, it makes the, uh, the good times even better, but, I don't know. It's it would be a shame to go through life and not be able to laugh at anything, you know, and not to make fun of it, but just you know, to put it in a light where, you know, us sitting in this room, you know, we're talking to these microphones and that's ridiculous in its own way, but it's just important for me to find the humor in anything and, you know, if if you can make others laugh and see that as well, then that's important or you know it can make people feel better i think that's a nice point and i i want to close just by asking maybe what advice you would have for someone trying to pursue a similar path where i think young people getting into careers are often afraid to do something that they care about or that they don't see as being as perhaps a stable path to a career um they may love it but they're worried about where they're you know, going to get their paycheck or they've been dissuaded from doing something they love because it doesn't seem like it's a feasible option for them. Um, What would you tell people wanting to follow a similar path? I mean, I'd say go for it. Um, Just if there's something you're passionate about and you have an inkling of an idea to pursue something, I think you should pursue it. And, but at the same time, you want to be sure that you can, you know, eat and pay rent. And so just knowing if you're going into something like that, you sometimes have to make sacrifices and pick up, you know, another odd job. You might have to go mulch for a couple of days a week, you know, just to be able to do in the rest of the days of the week what you really want to do. And that's, you know, you have to be, sometimes you have to be frugal, I, you know, don't go out to the movies, you know. Well, that's me personally, but but you know, I I'm saving that money so I can do, you know, my art and my music. Go for it and just be aware that you may have to, you know, pick up some side gigs and just don't box yourself into one thing and, you know, if you feel like you're stuck in a job that you don't want to do, just I, don't know, I can't say, can't tell people just to quit their job because uh, because <laughs> that's not always an option for everyone, right? You know? But if you're passionate a bit passionate about something, I think that means you should do something about it or try to do something about it, even if it's just you know working on it on the weekends and getting it off its ground until you feel like you could take the next step to pursue it full time or three quarter time. Well, I think that's great. It's been really lovely chatting with you, Forrest. Thanks very much. Thank you, Sarah. Today we've been talking with Forrest Marcuse, musician, sound engineer, and carpenter. 
about how to build a career in a rural community that's beautiful, but offers few jobs that are not linked to agriculture or hospitality. Today's career tip is that, for some people, one good job is just not enough. Sometimes you have to start with a vision of the kind of life you want. Then you find ways to earn a little money while you attract or create projects that you love. And talking about projects we love, we hope that you're enjoying Jazzed About Work. If you are, please tell your friends and maybe give us a five-star rating. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. 